my church, I get the opportunity to preach to you. Praise the Lord. Today's message is guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says in the New King James Version, to keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. The word keep means to guard, to guard our hearts. The word heart is used as the most inner uh, organ of our bodies. It's deep inside us. In other words, it's where we're really at. It's how we're really motivated. What really drives us through our mind, will, and emotions, that's, that's our heart. The word issue has to do with uh, the outcome, outcomes of our heart. In other words, Chicagoland, what we do is in direct relationship to where we're at Emotionally, emotionally, and in our hearts. So if we love Jesus Christ, if we, if we love him and we desire to uh, have his character in our life, having Christ-like character, then this should be very important to us to guard our hearts because we, we always have to deal with what? Sin. <laughs> always have to deal with sin and just mess, flesh, wants to undertake, take over. So we have to guard our heart. So this is a commandment of God, and this is, this is for our own good. Another uh, verse is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. That tells us, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. So this passage of scripture, this passage of scripture that we're going to be going through today is uh, 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25, in my view, demonstrates why it is important uh, to uh, obey what Proverbs 4.23 tells us and 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 16. Remember that as we go through this. All right, so let's pray. Lord, my heart's desire is to encourage my church. I want to be encouraged as well as we together get into your word and hear what you have to tell us today. And Lord, I pray that be true. I pray that you would speak to hearts so that we may walk with you in the beauty of holiness for real. In your name we pray, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 25 starts off by saying this, Then Samuel died, and all Israel gathered together 
and mourn for him and buried him at his house in Ramah, Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. All right? So, starts off there. Well, the question we always should ask ourselves as we're studying the word, we ought, we ought to ask ourselves a lot of questions. I don't care how many times we study the text. Uh, it's a good idea to ask the questions and allow God to give us the answers. And that just makes the Bible study so much richer, amen, when we do that. And so the question is, well, who is Samuel? Who's David? Well, here we see that Samuel died. Samuel's death brought an end of an era. Samuel was the last of the judges. And his influence and popularity was huge. It was so huge that all of Israel gathered together to mourn Samuel's death. 1 Samuel 7:15 tells us that Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. Well, when Samuel was old, uh, he appointed his two sons, remember? Joel and Abijah. Appointing them judges over Israel. That's in uh, 1 Samuel 8, verses 1 and 3, 1 through 3. But unfortunately, they didn't turn out too good. And they proved not to walk in the ways of their father. They took bribes and perverted justice. Okay? So then the elders of Israel gathered together and uh, told Samuel, you know, look, man, your, your sons are not making it here. They are not walking uh, in your ways, and uh, you're too old to, to lead. Uh, we want a king like other nations. Now, mind you, these elders, I don't think they sought the Lord. They said, we want a king. We want to be like the other elders. We want to be like the other nations. But that was not what God wanted at that time. But they insisted, so God gave them a king. He gave them Saul. <laughs> well, as we can remember, Saul didn't turn out too good either because that was not God's plan for them. So God tells Samuel to go to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have selected, it says, I have selected a king for myself among the sons. That's 1 Samuel 16. So Samuel goes to observe Jesse's sons. They all looked very impressive, especially the, the first son that he saw. He was kind of blown away. But the Lord said to Samuel in verse 7, if you can remember, don't look at his outward appearance or at the height or the, his stature because I have rejected them. Hey, I have, excuse me, I have rejected him. For God sees not as men sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, this is where David comes into the scene. He was the youngest of Jesse's sons, and he was uh, tending his dad's sheep. He was a shepherd. And so they bring, they bring him into Samuel so that Samuel could look at him. And the Bible says that uh, David at that time was Rudy. In other words, he was kind of red. I guess his hair was red. 
His complexion was kind of reddish. Maybe he had a really healthy uh, suntan. But uh, he was red. And the Bible said that his eyes were beautiful. And he was handsome in appearance. And so the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now we must understand, God didn't choose David because he was handsome. Remember he had just said, he doesn't look, God doesn't go by the outward appearance, but the heart. No. It was because of David's genuine heart. I want us to remember that. David's genuine heart for God. His faith and joy was to Yahweh. He loved the Lord with his whole heart. And so because of that, in God's sovereign plan, he got, uh, God selected him. He was God's choice to be king over Israel. So Samuel anointed David in the midst of his brothers. This was the first of his anointings before his family. There were two more anointings, really. The second anointing would be before the assembly of his tribe, Judah. And the third anointing would be before the nation of Israel. So during the time of 1 Samuel 25, uh, Saul was still king over Israel, the people's choice. David was the king elect. That was God's choice. Amen? And so David, he, sang, he, he, he was a singer, and he played beautiful music to, uh, uh, and sung to Saul. To keep Saul, to keep, uh, to soothe rather Saul's heart, if you can remember, an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul because uh, at that, you know, this is Old Testament here, uh, God removed his spirit away from Saul and, and uh, David uh, had the spirit of God mightily in his life. But, but uh, the spirit moved away from, from, from Saul and uh, so, David playing the music soothed his heart. Amen? David was a soldier. Uh, you know, he was the one who, as a young man, slain Goliath, the, the, uh, the um, what do you call it, the, the giant, the giant Goliath. And also, Jonathan was his best friend. And so Saul began to be afraid of David because the Lord was, was with him. And so he tried to kill him. And uh, Saul had uh, one of his daughters. He, uh, her name was uh, Michael. He thought it would be a good idea for Michael to marry Saul, if you can remember that, because uh, he was hoping that she would be a snare to him. But Michael really loved David, and they were married. And that was his first wife. And so this really made uh, Saul even more afraid of him. <laughs> and so Saul became David's enemy continually. Okay, so we, that gives us some background on Samuel and, and David. So let's go back to 1 Samuel 25. Uh, David is in the wilderness of uh, Paran. Paran. Verse uh, 2 and 3 say this. Now, there was a man in uh, Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich, and he had 3,000 3, sheep and 1,000 goats. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in, in Carmel 
Now, the man's name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. Okay? So Nabal, his name literally means fool. <laughs> Nabal's name really means fool. Abigail means my father is joy. And even though Nabal was a Calebite, a descendant of Caleb, uh, he did not possess the same spiritual uh, qualities as his forefather. All right, verses 4 through 9 say this. Um, okay. Okay, that David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, Go up to Camel, or Carmel and visit Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say, have a good life, have a long, have a long life. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I have heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we have not insulted them, nor have they missed anything all the days they were in common. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a festive day. Please give whatever you find at hand to your servants and to your sons. Okay? So David was in the wilderness, and he and his men took the job of protecting Nabal's flock. Now, Nabal, if you can imagine now, this is... I, this is 300 sheep and, and 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. This is a lot of uh, livestock out there. And so it was a bit much for probably one shepherd or two to, to take care of all that. So David takes it upon himself to go and, and protect all these sheep. Uh, okay? And so when David heard Nabal was shearing the sheep, David sent 10 of the, his men to collect their rightful compensation. This was a gentleman's agreement that a man should be compensated for the work he was done. God had even commanded that in the Old Testament. If you can remember, Deuteronomy chapter 24, uh, verse 15 says, You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets, for he is poor and sets his heart on it so that he would not cry against you to the Lord and become sin to you. This was a profitable time, you all. This, this was a time to cut all the wool off the sheep and, and to make lots of money because you have all this wool here. And by God's grace, his providence, uh, this was a festive day. This was a special day, special day uh, to rejoice over the abundance of sheared uh, uh, wool from the sheep. This was actually a day that they rejoiced over that. Okay, so now it happened. Now, uh, what should have happened uh, was if Nabal was a righteous man, a kind of righteous man, he should have said, as he heard that David took care of his sheep, he probably should have said something like, well, praise the Lord 
thank you, brother, for, 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 for that, for taking care of my sheep. And, uh, you know, because you did that, I want to give you something. Now, remember, he was a rich guy. He could have gave him a handsome amount of money because uh, for uh, the job that David did. He, he also, too, that could have been a, a, a friendship, a budding friendship that uh, begun. You know, David could uh, probably, um, um, you know, get a lot from, from Nabal, and Nabal could, you know, probably benefit from, from David. The two could benefit one, could have benefited one another. It would have been a great thing to happen. But that didn't happen, you all. No, that didn't happen. Instead, uh, Nabal humiliated David <laughs> uh, and his men. Where it says here in verse 10 and 11, Nabal answered David's servants and said, who's David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are each breaking away from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men whose origins I, have, I don't know? So David's young men retracted their way and went back, and they came and told him according to all these words. Wow. How about that? Do you buy that? Do you buy that Nabal didn't know who David was? I think that's impossible. I think everybody knew who David was. The, the deal was that Nabal did not want to pay David anything. And how about this? How about saying that you guys are a bunch of runaway slaves? So he didn't feel obligated to pay them anything. <laughs> this is David here, the, you know, the uh, king elect, the, the mighty warrior. And he, he basically got slapped in the face. So what do you think David's response would be? What would your response be <laughs> over something like that? Amen? Hmm. Amen. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> as we understand scripture here, Luke 6.45 says this, For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat his fruits. So then David's men go back and, and they tell David all that Nabal had told them. That got David very, very, very angry. He tells his men of 400, 400 men, get your swords. He tells the other 200 men, you stay back and watch our stuff. David goes and gets his own sword because uh, he didn't want them just to go on his behalf. No, this was personal. David wanted to go himself to deal with Nabal. Okay? So David says, all right, let's go. So verses 14 through 17 says this. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. Yet the men were very good to us. 
And we were not insulted, nor did we miss anything as long as we uh, went about with them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the time we were with them, uh, tending the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household, and he is such a worthless man, talking about Nabal, that no one can speak to him. Wow. Calls him a worthless man. All right? So the question here is, what is a fool, you guys? What is a fool? I think that begs the question here. If Nabal's name means fool, what is a fool? Yeah, you got it, Gus. Well, here we read, Nabal didn't listen to anybody. The Bible says in Psalm 14.1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Isaiah chapter 32, 6 says, a fool speaks nonsense, <laughs> and his heart inclines toward wickedness, to practice ungodliness, and to speak error against the Lord, to keep the hungry person unsatisfied, and to withhold drink from the thirsty. So what's a fool? A fool doesn't listen to counsel. They don't listen to anybody. Fools reject God and God-given authority. Fools are unwilling to care for the needy. They're just interested in themselves. They don't care about God's commands, what God has to say. Now, this isn't an intellectual problem. This is a moral problem having to do with knowing the principles of right and wrong they, a fool chooses what's wrong. Chicagoland, have you been foolish lately? Have you been choosing willingly to reject God's counsel? If you've been doing that, you're a fool. But fools can repent. Amen? So you need to go back and ask God and repent you know, uh, to God for your actions that are contrary to him. So after hearing the news from the young man, Abigail wisely responds to what the young man told her. Verse 18 and 19 say this, Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves of bread and two uh, jugs of wine and five sheep already prepared and five measures of of roasted grain, and a hundred dried uh, clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Now, this is a lot of stuff. She's demonstrating some uh, good administrative skills, I would say. Loaded them all on donkeys, and she uh, told her young man, go on before me. Behold, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. Hmm. She didn't tell her husband, Nabal. What do you think about that? Was that uh, something that she should have done? Was that, was that right? Was she being truthful with her man? Huh? Was this wrong? Was she not being loyal? What do you think? 
Well, maybe in a lot of cases that might, that might come to play. She probably should have told her husband. But in this situation here, um, no, it's probably the wisest thing that she could do. You know, don't you love the Bible? See, because the Bible uh, you know, reveals a lot of these things to us, you know, really before the battle takes place. So we can take and observe this and determine what we should do. You know, it's, it's, it's wise for us to look at this and gather principles so when life hits us, we're more prepared than if we didn't study. Amen? Amen. Psalm tells us in Psalm 119, verses 97 through 101, I think this is Pete's, one of Pete's favorite here, uh, verses here, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Amen? I have understanding more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. Is that, is that our hearts, Chicagoland? I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Amen. You know, that's what we all should aspire to be like. We just love God's word. We just love his, his teachings, his testimony. I want that to be a part of my life, and I do. I want that to be a part of my life. Amen. So Abigail, well, what Abigail could have done, she could have just left the scene. She could have just left the scene for a couple of days and just let David annihilate uh, uh, Nabal and the rest of the men. But that would have been wicked because she would have known that he was going to be killed. And God would see that. And I believe God would, would say that you were a part of his murder. No, that wasn't a wise thing. That wouldn't be a wise thing to do. Now, Abigail knew that, uh, <clears throat> that David was going to murder him. So she, what she did was she wanted, she wanted to uh, bridge the gap uh, for her husband. Uh, she did, if she had told her husband, there probably would have been some arguments and stuff like that. She didn't have, pro she didn't have time for all that. You know, uh, quick action was needed right then and there. And so she went on and did that because her life's, her, her husband's life was in jeopardy. So she had to stand for the gap. She stood in the gap for her husband, and she, as we'll see, she really stood in the gap for David because she knew the consequences involved in Nabal's uh, cursing David. He could die. She also knew the Lord's choice of David. And by Abigail's actions here, she chose to obey God rather than man. You see that in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. We must obey God rather than men. Amen? Verse 20 and 22 says this. Uh, oh. It came about as she was riding on her donkey uh, and coming down by the uh, hinder part of the mountain that, behold, David and his men were coming down toward her. So she met them. Now David had said, I believe that David was saying this to himself. He was, he was just mad. 
David had said, surely in vain I have guarded all that this man has in the, in the, the wilderness so that nothing was missing of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. May God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave as much as one male of any who belong to him. David was mad. He was just stewing. He was walking down there. Have you ever done that? You know, talk to yourself and you're mad, you know, the things that you're going to do. <laughs> Come on now. I know you all have done that. Well, that's where David was. Amen? And David was mad. He was stewing. He was talking to himself. He was, he, was going to, he was actually going to kill Nabal and the rest of Nabal's men. Okay, verse 23 and 25 say this. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, oh, my, oh me, on me alone, my Lord, be the blame, and please let your maidservant speak to you. And listen to the words of your maidservant. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man. There's that word again. Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I your maidservant, did not see the young man for my, uh, of my Lord whom you've sent. Amen. Uh, amen. So we read that and we think, ouch. <laughs> she tells David that her husband is a worthless man. And that was true. That's what his name meant. And so he was just living out who he was. But that's pretty bad, huh, if your wife tells other people that you're a worthless man. Wow. Amen, that's pretty bad. <laughs> but notice her humble approach in showing of respect for David, something her, something her husband did not do. He didn't demonstrate that. Abigail bows to the ground in front of David. And then she takes the blame for what her she takes the blame for her husband's actions. Wow. What a woman, huh? What a wife. She took the blame for her husband's actions. Man. Now, something to think about. Verse 26 through 31 says this. Now, now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you, this is Abigail talking to David, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal, a fool. Now let this gift, let, let this gift which your maidservant has brought to you, my Lord, be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Please forgive the transgressions of your maidservant. Now she didn't do it. Her husband did that. But she takes the blame. Wow. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house 
because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil will not be found in you all your days. Should anyone rise up and pursue you and to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in bundles of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord goes before my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and appoints you ruler over Israel, this will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause and by my Lord having avenged himself. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your, your maidservant. Again, Abigail takes the blame for what her husband did, and she seeks forgiveness. And Abigail was certain that David would be an effective ruler uh, after, David's, uh, after Saul's death. But now, but for now, she didn't want David to do anything that would jeopardize his future. Wow. She was thinking about David as well. She didn't, he didn't want to do anything, she didn't want him to do anything to jeopardize his future by hurting his reputation or violating God's will by seeking personal vengeance and anger by killing Nabal. She's saying, you don't want to kill him and his men. His men were, were innocent of what Nabal did. You don't want to kill them. I know this happens all the time, but that's not for kings. That's not for kings, I believe. That's what her intentions were saying. She really is saying to David, I know you are a bigger man than that. She stood in a gap for David, concerning about his future and the lives of the innocent men. What strength of character, you all. What strength of character. Man, Abigail was a very wise woman. She was a peacemaker that took a lot of courage to do what she did. And so we see the stark contrast between uh, uh, Abigail and her hus husband Nabal. So verse 32 and 35 say this. Oh, Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your discernment. And blessed be you, who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hands. Wow. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, unless you had come quickly to meet me, surely there would have not been left to Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. So David uh, received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. Wow, wow. How about that? She calm, she's able to calm David down. And David repented, repented of what he was going to do. That, by the way, is another reason why David was so great. Uh, keep that in mind. He did a lot of things that, a lot of sinful things, yes. 
but he did love the Lord with all his heart. And when, and when he was shown he was wrong, he repented. He repented. He's a great example of how we should be. Amen. All of us, we're not perfect. We do love the Lord, right? But we mess up. And we see how God deal, dealt with David. He was a great king. And so he wants to do some great things with us, Chicago man. Amen, if we let him. Well, the end of the story is very interesting. After Abigail returns home, can you imagine how exhausted she was uh, having to clean up the uh, relational mess that her husband uh, created? only to come home and find her husband was, was drunk. <laughs> he had a drinking party at the house, at the crib, and he was totally smashed. <laughs> and so she couldn't tell him what she did because he was so drunk. <laughs> so she knew that, uh, well, I just let him sleep it off and tell him the next day. And so that's what she did. In the morning, when he was sober enough to understand what was going on, she tells Nabal everything that had happened, what he did and what she had to do to fix everything. Now, after that, in God's providence, remember, God is in control over everything, amen? Nabal received a stroke or a heart attack and slipped into a coma. And about 10 days later, Nabal died. <laughs> this is in, you ought to check that out. This is 1 Samuel 25. <laughs> Better than any TV program out here, I tell you. Amen? So now David finds out that uh, Nabal is dead, and he winds up proposing to Abigail. <laughs> so she marries David and becomes his second wife. But David then also married, uh, uh, I, I can't pronounce his, her, her name, Ahinoam, H-A-I-N-O-A-M, Ahinoam, of Jezreel. That became her, his third wife. Now, wait a minute, you might ask. Doesn't the Bible say that David was a man after God's own heart? Yep. Why is David taking on all these wives? If he is a man after God's own heart, how come David's doing it? Well, yeah, the Bible does say that David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, we see it in Acts 13, 22, where it says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Okay, well, why is David taking on all these wives? Is, is that... Is that was that right to do? Was that what God wanted? How about it, Chicago? What do you think? Well, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, not wives, wife. And they, the husband and the wife, shall become one flesh, now, this is a timeless principle here for all of mankind. So now, this is the Old Testament. Okay, well, what does it say in the New Testament about this? Well, we have to look at uh, the qualifications of church leadership. What does it say? 
First Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 uh, and 12 says that overseers and deacons must be the husband of one wife. So if leadership who sets the example of the church for the church is to be married to only one wife, then the rest of the congregation needs to follow the godly example of leadership, right? So what I'm saying is, uh, this is the will of God. Nothing's changed here. So why did David have all these wives? Well, how many of us have lived without sin? Anybody here live perfect lives without sin? No. God doesn't zap us right away, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not, I am not up here teaching uh, anything goes, Christianity, no, that uh, everything is okay with God. But the Bible does say this. What shall we say then? In uh, Romans 6, verses 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? God's sovereign. He doesn't always discipline his children immediately, but we do put ourselves in the discipline of God when we do sin, amen? We put ourselves in that position, and God has, a, has his sovereign choice to deal with us right then or sometime in the future. Well, if you can remember in David's life, uh, God did deal with him, marrying all those wives and also others who had multiple wives. Uh, there was a lot of consequences that took place there. Time doesn't permit to go through all of David's life. You know, but the answer to all this is stay in the will of God, Chicagoland. Uh, the biblical marriage is always the same. One husband, one wife. So why did David do this? He, he, was just, he just sinned. He was in sin. That's the answer. He was in sin. He shouldn't have done it, but he, he did. And so, very interesting text in the Bible. Uh, scripture also says, all scripture is of inspiration of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. All right, getting to the close here. So what does this text teach us? What are some applications we can uh, come away with? as a result of reading uh, 1 Samuel 25. Well, as followers of Jesus Christ, we, I, must, number one, avoid impulsive reactions. Avoid impulsive decisions or reactions. You know, Nabal really got David mad. And uh, his feelings, David's, his feelings were hurt. His pride was wounded. David got very angry. But you know something? As you read this, I don't, I don't, I don't understand all of uh, the Jewish culture. I don't understand it all. But from my vantage point, from what I see here, David took it upon himself to watch the sheep. He did not ask for Nabal's permission. He just went on and did it. I think we set ourselves up when we, when we do that. Uh, didn't, didn't ask permission from, from David to, to do that, uh, from Nabal to do that. So um, 
So he had an expectation to be appreciated for that expectation. That expectation didn't uh, materialize, and as a result, he got mad. He could have avoided that by not taking on that, that, uh, that responsibility. Something to think about. And as a result, uh, he would not have been, he would not have put himself in that position of getting angry. But avoid impulsive reactions. This brings to mind uh, me. Some years back, uh, I was driving. Donna was in the, the van with me. And there was a guy, there was a driver in front of me, a guy in front of me who was just taking his time driving. He was too slow. So I cut him off. And evidently, the guy didn't appreciate the move I made on him. So he pulls up next to the van, rolls down his window, and I was about to give him a piece of my mind. Yep, I was. And Donna leans over and says to him, he didn't mean it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as a result, now this guy was big. He was, he was Gus's size. He was your size. I could have I gotten my head bashed in. <laughs> but, but what he said was, oh, okay. Rolled up his one who took off. I felt bad about that. I, I, I just felt pretty stupid that I did something like that. But Donna uh, stood the gap for me. Amen? <laughs> oh, I know some of you all have a, you know, some similar stories. All right? I'm not window dressing up here. I am what I am, you know. But uh, take that to heart. We all have done, we've all have uh, responded. If you really look at your lives, you, you've had your time of uh, impulsive reactions. You overreacted. Someone's made you mad. And it was, as a result, you wanted to get even with them. You wanted to hurt them more than how they, how they hurt you. Right? Yeah, I know. So what do we do when, when, we, when we get upset, or the potential to get upset? How do we handle that? How can we avoid not getting into these situations where I overreact? The scripture has something for us. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, so then, my, so then, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For man does not, for, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Chicagoland, we get that backwards. We are slow to hear and swift to speak and swift to go into wrath. But the key is we have to, we have to be uh, slow, we have to be swift to hear. We have to train ourselves to really hear and then slow to speak. Give ourselves time to process. Like Pastor, he, when we tease Pastor, or we mimic Pastor all the time when he does this. Mm. He's, his example is thinking it through, not just overreacting. Give ourselves an opportunity 
to process what's going on before I say something utterly stupid. <laughs> Think it through first. That takes training. That takes submitting ourselves to God. Then it takes training to do. We'll be much better off if we do that. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. David wasted a lot of time, energy, involved a lot of people because he was angry. When David should have gone and, uh, and tell God how he felt about Nabal. He should have went to the Lord and told God about Nabal and how he felt about that, how mad he was. Then, in an act of faith and obedience, surrendered his, his mind, will, and emotions to the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's like this. You ask yourself this question. God, I'm mad right now. Show me, is there anywhere, is there, how have I violated your word? How have I... How, how has my actions right now, is that, or ask, is that, am I in violation of your word? And let God answer. Amen? And then when he gives you the answer, submit to that. In other words, repent and seek to follow what God says. Amen? And so let's not let people pull us down. We give people too much power. Don't do that. Instead, let the Lord control our mind. Submit to the Lord. Confess our sins to God. Let him show us where, we're, uh, where we are at in sin so that we confess and then submit ourselves to what God would want. Amen? Two, be a peacemaker. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Abigail was a peacemaker. She was a wise and humble person. Great administrator. She knew David would be pretty upset based on what her husband said to him. Said to him. She organized a peace offering for David to hopefully calm him down. She made all the food and arranged how to deliver all that to David and his men in a timely fashion. Abigail was, very, uh, was a very virtuous woman. She had a lot to offer. Nabal's actions created a various tense and dangerous situation. By the way Abigail approached David, she diffused the whole thing and brought peace. She came to David in humility, bowing down to the ground in front of David, showing David respect. She then sought David's forgiveness, took blame for her husband's actions, and she acknowledged the truth about her husband, that he was a fool. Then she showed concern for David. Abigail had insight to what God was going to do through David, and she knew David would demonstrate effective leadership as he ruled over Israel after Saul's death. But she didn't want David to jeopardize his future endanger his throne, or violate God's will by following through with seeking personal vengeance and anger. As a result, David came to his senses. 
he repented of what he was going to do. Amazing. What about you, Chicagoland? Let's all aspire to be peacemakers like Abigail. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 tells us this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Amen? And lastly, number three, Scripture tells us in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Let's always pay attention to our heart's attitudes. Let's always pay attention to that. And pay attention to how we treat other people. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bring forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Through, it, through Nabal's mouth, he shows his true colors. And the result... Nabal blew, Nabal blew an opportunity to uh, have a great friend in David. Instead, he mistreated David. And he was rude and harsh to David, and he caused David to want to kill him. Nabal will always be known for all eternity as a fool. He'll be always known as a fool. He was a mean and harsh man. Nabal was a disgrace. He was disgraceful. His wife, you all, his wife <laughs> tells other people, my husband is a, is a worthless man. Wow. Oh, I pray that never, I pray I never hear that from, from Donna's mouth, that her husband is a worthless man. Well, that's a choice. Amen? And, one, and, and then also one of Nabal's young men says the same thing to Abigail. Nabal is a worthless man. Yep. And also, Nabal lost his life. The Lord took his life. Out of the providence of God, I don't know exactly why, but he took his life. Yep. So, amen. So, understand something, Chicagoland. We have to be honest with ourselves. And understand that God does, he will never bless uh, a disrespectful, cynical, rude, mean, and angry person. He just will not bless people who, who are like that. And just remember, James chapter 4, verses 6 and 10 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Amen? Now let's close in prayer. Lord, there was a lot said today, and I pray that we would come away with uh, making the choice to humble ourselves before you and uh, submitting ourselves to you, God, and doing all that we can to honor you by obeying you and loving others. And, be, and being a, a listener and being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. 
deceiving ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In your name we pray. Amen.